This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big week in motorsport here in Australia. We've got the first of two events in Townsville coming up. I'll talk about that shortly with Richard and Mark. But the big news out of today is the Formula One Grand Prix here in Australia and also the MotoGP here in Australia have been cancelled. Andrew Westacott, the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, to join me in a few minutes' time to have a chat about that and the implications it has on the event here in Melbourne over the next year or so. We're also going to catch up with Will Davison and hear his thoughts ahead of the Townsville event this weekend. But let's get straight into the news. And Formula One says it does have a few options to replace the Australian Grand Prix. Of course, after the race was cancelled for a second successive year due to coronavirus. The Melbourne round, which was moved from its original date in March to November, was called off for a second year in a row due to the restrictions and border control around COVID-19 here in Australia, particular here in Victoria. The planned round of the MotoGP also for Australia, which was scheduled for the 24th of October, has also been cancelled. The Australian Grand Prix Corporation put out a statement stating, in conjunction with the Victorian Government and Formula One today, we announced that the 2021 Formula One Australian Grand Prix has been cancelled due to restrictions and logistical challenges relating to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. AGPC will continue to work with Formula One and the Victorian Government regarding the 2022 calendar timings for the Formula One Australian Grand Prix event. Andrew Westacott, the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, saying once the federal government cut intake numbers into Australia, it was always going to be tough. Yeah, it was a it was a significant contributor. Um, government needs to obviously protect the health of uh, of the public, and you need to deliver an event like this. You need robust plans by the event organiser. You need to have alignment at a state level and a federal level, and you need to have very very willing and professional and abiding um, international rights holders. And then obviously the inputs of many, many parts of each of those entities to make it all come together. And we got close, um, but the combination of the prevailing conditions at the time and the important need to continually protect the health of of Australians means that we're not able to do this. But I hope the, the roadmap and plans that we put in place are able to be used for opening the way for the Australian Open Tennis Meanwhile, the second of the Formula One Grand Prix was run in Austria. And Dale Rogers has more about Max Verstappen's fantastic win two weeks in a row. Dale. Yes, thanks, Tony. It's uh, definitely been a huge week in Formula One. Let's look back uh, now at the Austrian Grand Prix. It was the triple header that's been a triple treat for Max Verstappen and the Red Bull Honda Formula One team. Three wins and, more importantly, a dominant performance over rivals Petronas Mercedes gave Verstappen a clear lead in the Drivers' Championship and the team the upper hand in the Constructors' Championship. Verstappen continued his dominance at the Red Bull ring with a resounding pole position and what was really a clinical race where he never really looked troubled. The major change was the tyres, where the softest Pirelli C5 became the red stripe, the C4 the medium and the C3 the hard. That's a full step up in potential wear from the previous weekend. And tyres would play a big role in this race. Qualifying was a battle of who could qualify on the mediums and who had to resort to the softs. 
AlphaTauri and Aston Martin made up four of the top 10 places, but used the soft tyre to do that, a strategy that would not yield results on Sunday. Added to that, Sonoda's constant attempts to enter pit lane during the race, but running wide of the entry line, these teams were destined to fall down the order. Mercedes really looks to be struggling relative to their dominance of the past. Being outclassed by the McLaren of Nando Norris really brought this point home. But as delighted as Norris was with his qualifying, he did not feel he was racing for a podium. How wrong he was. A stunning drive. Kept pressure on the Mercs and Lando scooped a well-earned podium. For once, Daniel Ricciardo had reason to smile, giving McLaren a double points finish. Another wretched qualifying saw him in P13, but as usual, his racecraft was superb, quickly moving into the top ten and battling right to the end, only to succumb to a fresh-tired Sainz's Ferrari to finish in seventh place. The main talking point was the myriad of penalties handed out like chocolates by the stewards. Frankly, they were far too, they were far too draconian for the elite end of the sport and seemed more at home with a Formula Ford stoush at Brands Hatch. The racing that led to these penalties was intense, a thing Formula One must really try and protect. And so to Max Verstappen, he must now have one hand on the 2021 Formula One World Championship. He's in a very good space at present. He definitely has matured, and the adoration of the mainly orange-clothed Max Devotees in Austria must give him and the team a high level of confidence. We're off to Silverstone next, Tony, a track and event that Mercedes will be hoping that Hamilton regains his title attack. We'll be back next week to have a look at that preview. Back to you in the studio, Tony. Thanks, Dale. Having a look at MotoGP and... Honda test rider Stefan Brattle has revealed he is open to returning full-time to MotoGP racing. The German has not been in full-time MotoGP since 2016, however raced all but two races last year due to Marc Marquez's injury. And with several 2022 seats available, including one recently vacated by Maverick Vinales at Yamaha, Brattle said he would listen to offers should they come around. And lastly in news, factory KTM rider Miguel Oliveira has revealed he was approached by Yamaha about the spot vacated by the departing Maverick Vinales. The three-time MotoGP race winner turned the offer down and said, I made a commitment to my team last year for two years and I'll respect my word. Good on you. Miguel Oliveira staying with KTM. Some supercar news too, and of course the big news out of supercars has been the postponement of the Winton Super Sprint for a second time. The event was initially scheduled to happened at the end of May. It was then pushed out to July, but now it looks like it might be pushed out to November. Supercar statement said due to the current and evolving COVID restrictions, it has been determined that a different date will be more suitable for the event to optimise the experience for teams, campers, spectators and officials. A new date has not been confirmed as of yet. However, the Townsville 500 will push ahead this weekend and also next weekend as well with supercars wanting to get around in the bank and uh, that's not a bad idea for them and Erebus Motorsport boss Barry Ryan has ruled out the possibility of Brody Kostecki or Will Brown switching to Triple Eight Engineering next year Kostecki has been a reoccurring name rumoured to make the switch to replace Jamie Winkup who is set to retire from full-time driving at the end of the season however Ryan has ruled out either of his drivers for the seat saying there's no way they're going anywhere next year that is probably good timing for us because they are going to need someone for next year but it's definitely not going to be Brody or Will. That is the news. Let's get into the Formula One and MotoGP Australian cancellations. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, as we heard today, the Australian Grand Prix and also the Australian MotoGP have been cancelled for 2021. And to tell us uh, all about that, we say g'day to 
the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, Andrew Westercott. Andrew, a really tough day for yourself and your staff to once again have to announce cancellation of both these events due to COVID. Yeah, g'day, Shebex. It's, yeah, it is uh, It is tough. It's disappointing for me. It's different, disappointing for the staff. It's disappointing for the the fans, our suppliers, and I also feel for Daniel Ricciardo, Remy Gardner, and also Jack Miller, who can't perform in front of their fans and their families and, and friends as well uh, in 2021. But we'll all live to fight another day. Gee whiz, it would have been fantastic too to see Remy Gardner and Jack Miller down at Phillip Island this year because they're having such a fantastic season 2021. The good news is, though, is that we'll get to see them both next year in MotoGP, fingers crossed. We will. There was something special. I remember many years ago when I think it was Casey Stoner's last year and we had um, Casey on the top step, we had Damp West on the second step and Arthur Cece yes. on the third step. And uh, maybe this year was going to be having, you know, two people on the podiums in MotoGP and Moto2 down at the island on the 24th of October. But fingers crossed we'll, um, we'll see them both down here, down under in 2022. Andrew, my understanding is, is that this event was really only cancelled in the last 24 hours. Up until then, you and your staff were proceeding as if everything was going ahead. Well, something of this magnitude and, and the size of it, you've got to proceed as though it's uh, it's going ahead. And, um, you know, we're, we're in great shape. We were touch over, just touch under five months to go for, for Formula One. It was um, touch under four months for, for MotoGP. But everything ultimately needs to fit in with the global calendars and MotoGP organises Dorna and Formula One um, need to lock away the schedules for the second end of the se- second half of the season towards the pointy end, and um, that requires absolute commitment from state governments, federal governments about the conditions here. And it doesn't matter whether you're going to Abu Dhabi, Australia, Singapore, Canada, or, or, or Turkey, you've got to abide by the conditions of the country. And sometimes that's meant in a COVID environment, Shabet, that you're not able to actually. Um, stage an event and and where one of those situations where they can't stage either event in in Victoria. Take us through the level of frustration for yourself as a CEO to have something like this totally cancelled just with something that is just out of your nothing you can do about it. Well, it's not as not as frustrating as being jilted at the altar like we were on the thirteenth <laughs> of March, um, twenty twenty. But it's yeah. um, it's a it's a feeling of disappointment for our staff, um, the suppliers who business livelihoods rely on these events to to stimulate um, their turnover. And I'm gutted for the fans um, and even the families of, of the three Aussie riders and also the young, young boys and girls who love karting and love junior motorcycling who look at this aspirationally and, and want to be involved in the future. So it's, um, it's tough going for, for everyone, but you know, you've got to be resilient and these things happen. I've seen it happen. Um, and now we've got to look to the future and, and, and plan and work with Formula One and with Dorna and the government on locking away our slots in the calendars for 2022. How much of a nail in the coffin was the decision of the federal government to cut the intake of people coming into Australia over the next six or so months? Was that a, a death knell for the Grand Prix and also MotoGP? Yeah, it was a it was a significant contributor. Um, government needs to um, obviously protect the health of uh, 
of the public and you need to deliver an event like this, you need robust plans by the event organiser. You need to have alignment at a state level and a federal level. And you need to have a very, very willing and professional and abiding um, international rights holders. And then obviously the inputs of many, many parts of each of those entities to make it all come together. And we got close, um, but the combination of the prevailing conditions at the time and the important need to continually protect the health of, of Australians means that we're not able to do this. But I hope the, the roadmap and plans that we put in place are able to be used for opening the way for the Australian Open Tennis for our events next year and international events like you know the Rip Curl Pro, um, maybe cycling events and others. So there's, there's roadmaps and we believe that the mitigation measures coupled with everything else we all need to do means that you can get a holistic approach to events, but it needs everything going your way, especially as we're an island nation with, you know, zero, zero COVID essentially compared to what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Formula One Corporation has said that they will look at replacing the Australian Grand Prix on, on its date with another event for this year. Uh, two weeks before us, the San Paulo GP in Brazil is also scheduled. Your thoughts on the possibility of that also not happening? Well, every, every one of these comes down to the dialogue and the position of the, the country that they're going into, as well as, as Formula One and the, the rights holders who own the rights to the sport. So I think it's got every opportunity of going ahead because they operate in a bubble and you know there's COVID that exists. And what Formula One is doing is having such a rigorous bubble arrangement that when it goes into different cities, it can protect the, the drivers and MotoGP can protect their riders very safely to operate, fly in, fly out. And essentially they're isolating from what may exist in the country. I know the, the Brazilians and I've spoken to the the new promoters there, they are dead keen to, to do it and stage the event. Um, but they're going to have to make calls with Formula One probably as a permanent circuit a little bit later than ours. But I do know that, um, you know, there's, uh, there's alternatives that Formula One's got and they're very, very good at being able to juggle 23 events and they've proven that last year and this year to date. So, Andrew, if the bubble is sufficient for most governments, around the world in regards to running their F1 and MotoGP events. Why wasn't it for us? Well, because we've got a, um, we've got a set of conditions state and federally that um, aren't governed by what they might do in, in Portugal or any European country or any American or South American country. And um, we have to respect that and be guided by that. And I can't change the rules just because Formula One's able to operate in European countries, but there's a different set of conditions that apply here in Australia. Um, what I'd say is that those conditions are going to continue to exist in some way, shape or form, and they'll continue to exist at a state level as well. And what we need to do is make sure that the alignment is there. And if that means vaccination, if it means different quotas or different approaches to incoming visitation, then as event organisers, we've got to really be um, on our toes to know what is going to mean that we can stage this event. Um, I haven't cast my mind to that level of detail, only to say that I think the approach that we got in place um, now still can apply very, very rigorously to what we can put in place for uh, um, throughout next year.
Tuvix. So MotoGP always scheduled around October. So that's a, a year and a bit away. So one would think that that's fine. Formula One GP for 2022. Currently, I suppose it looking at March again as the opening Grand Prix. Is that something that will be taken into consideration? And is there the thought that we will probably run later? Um, no, because I think if you if you look at our major events, the jewels in the crown internationally in Melbourne, um, we have Formula One and the tennis. Now, we know that Formula One isn't going to happen in November, but we've got to set our sights on making sure that the, the tennis happens and the arrangements for a, you know, a contingent that's very similar in size. The tennis players numbered about 13 or 1400. The, the number that we were looking at for Formula One was between 1500 and 1600. So if tennis is able to operate, Tony, I believe that um, Formula One is going to be able to operate um, equally safely and uh, successfully early in the season. Now, calendars aren't finalised. They're going to be um, sorted through with Dorna and Formula One and the World Motorsport Councils and the FIM and so on um, during July and August, and it might go into September. So we'll, um, we'll work out where our slot is on the dance card based on um, all the other configurations. I know, for instance, uh, Miami seems to be um, looking at an early slot next year. So we'll work out on that. Um, and then we've got to make every poster winner to, um, to secure it and secure it with a, with a great deal of commitment. Some amazing amendments being made to the Albert Park track for the next Grand Prix. Does that slow down a little bit now? Can you sort of take your time with that now? Or is that something that's still very much get it done and get it done quickly? Yeah, well, we, we're doing the track mods in three stages. Stage one was pre-Christmas where we widened pit lane by two metres to hopefully get that pit lane speed up from 60 kilometres an hour to 80 kilometres an hour, but also at the same time, make it safer for those people working in pit lane. The second part is completed now and completed very successfully where we made geometric changes, camber changes, uh, widening changes, and most significantly removed turn nine and 10 around Lakeside for the introduction of a new DRS zone and modified um, one of the main turns at turn 13 for, for overtaking. Now the track is, I drove it yesterday, um, not at speed, uh, at speed limit. I drove it yesterday and I've ridden my bike around it and it is great. Um, we need to resurface it in totality and we've got to look at how and when we do that so that it's ready for next year's race, but it's ready to race on now. It's just whether we decide to um, adjust the asphalt mix to provide greater levels of degradation, which adds to the tyre strategies and probably more exciting racing even, even more. Well, Andrew, it just makes for the anticipation of the next Grand Prix even more so that we've got to wait another six or so months for that Formula One Grand Prix to happen in 2022. Thank you so much for your time and what has been a busy day for you today and uh, look forward to catching up prior to uh, the 2022 Grand Prix. Long time between drinks, Shebex, but lovely to see you and thanks very much for the chat. Andrew Westercott joining us here on The Grid. Okay, it's time to catch up with Tom Archuli from Doric, who caught up with Will Davison for a chat about this weekend's Townsville round. Hello, everyone. This is the Townsville preview, and on board today is the great man, Will Davison. Hello, Willie. Hello, Tom. Willie, so Darwin, what a Sunday. Saturday, let's not talk about, but what a Sunday in Darwin, eh? 
Yeah, no, it, it was uh, no, it was a good day. A um, little bit of mixed emotions, but the 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 right kind of mixed emotions. It, it felt good to have that sort of disappointment again, um, with that sort of expectation. I suppose I was putting on myself. Um, which was always my aim was to start the year well, um, be a consistent runner, get some podiums um, and bit by bit, um, you know, start expecting wins when, when I felt like we genuinely deserved it. And I think we're at that point now. And I was a bit disappointed to only grab two seconds. I think that's natural when we've had two pole positions um, and it just, you know, for it to come down to, you know, just not quite being able to lead into the first corner. I mean, would have, should have, could have. I'm not saying I would have won if I led the first corner, but we certainly would have given ourselves a much better, better shot. But that's no, been been a good process. We've you know really built into the year nicely. Um, so no, the pole positions were were important um, for me and and a lot of fun. And I think uh, really only only the beginning of what we can start achieving from here on in. So when you say you you build into the year, so what do you mean by that? Oh, I don't mean anything too much. I mean, from the first time I sat in the car, I pushed as hard as I could. Um, and I think at the end of the day, being able to win and qualify on pole in this sport, you need to be, you know, innately connected with your car and, and your team. So with such short, sharp formats, um, just being able to know exactly what the car is going to do in that one lap that we get in qualifying, it's not something you can force. You can try and force it. Uh, and we all try and do that. You try and push fast forward and speed up the process, but that 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 results in mistakes and errors, making the wrong adjustments on the car. And fortunately, I think we've minimised that. You know, I haven't made too many errors. Um, we've still been consistently, you know, up the front, which has got us some good points. Um, but to, to win at this level and particularly beat the likes of, of T8 and, and Shane and Jamie and even Cam Waters and Chaz guys that have got continuity, um, you can't just jump in and, and achieve that. You've got to, yeah, be, be in touch with your car. So bit by bit, we're, we're learning, um, we're understanding each other. You know, even if we don't have a good race, you know, we follow that up with, you know, big analysis and big debrief um, and, you know, try and understand what we did right, what we did wrong. And each round's an opportunity to try something new, learn from mistakes. And, you know, we haven't been making huge shifts to the car. I mean, we've tried some new things here and there, um, but it's really just combination of small things that sort of unlock, unlock things for the way I drive the car. And I'm constantly just tweaking the way I drive, your natural style, and just getting it all coming together. So, yeah, we're, we're, I wouldn't say we're there, but as you can see, I think the results speak for themselves and it's becoming more and more natural now and we're, we're unlocking exactly how the car needs to be set up for me more often than not. And um, that'll continue. We didn't win. We haven't won yet, but uh, we'll just keep this, this process going where the car starts to feel like a glove, if you like. And although we were quite fast at the start of the year and getting podiums, I knew that it still wasn't a hundred percent natural or, you know, feeling, you know, normal for me. So um yeah, I, I knew the potential was there and I can still see it now. And it's it's pretty exciting. It's really motivating. Yeah, so five podiums in the last seven races um, and in two poles in a row um, and like five for the team, I think. Um, going to an event like Townsville where you've had such good results um, in the last couple of races, do you have any more confidence going to a racetrack than you did, say, out of Simmons Plains, I would say, round two um, now than you did before? 
a little bit, but I, I'm very careful not to get overly confident in this sport. Um, you know, even if you're leading the championship, even if you're SVG, who dominated the start, you know, you, you can see how quickly you can get unstuck in this sport. I mean, there's a lot of potential combinations and cars and drivers that if they hit the nail on the sweet spot, they're, they're going to be a danger. So you, you never get ahead of yourself. You've really got to focus on, you know, working hard and nailing the car set up. And that's, that's, that's a big group of us. For me, even when the car's right, you've got to execute perfectly. It doesn't happen automatically, even when it looks like things are happening easily. Um, it's certainly not, you know, there's still high pressure and it's very easy to be first or 10th, even when you've got the potential to be first, you can mess it up really easily. You get one shot generally in our sport to nail it and put it all together. So we're all working well, we're all focused um, and success breeds success, I suppose. And it's, it's a great culture and, you know, I'm feeling the pressure. I'm, I'm you know, I'm really uh, expecting a lot out of myself. Um, and yeah, that belief um, is, is a good thing. You go into events really, really focused and, um and you know townsville certainly a very different set of circumstances and and uh, requirements that we we need from the car and i'm looking forward to it that first real street track i've driven the car at before so we'll see what we've got um you know at the end of the day you you can very easily drop down the order as we've seen like i said shane do although he was quick in the races you know at Palin bend or um, a couple of circuits where you, you can blink and not be in the top 10 so yeah, never get too cocky. It doesn't happen automatically, um, you know, so we've just got to, yeah, we've just got to focus and keep doing what we're doing. And if we're right there again, well, you know, hopefully I can execute those smaller things perfectly and, and you know, get ourselves on the top step. So Townsville up next. Uh, what do you need to go fast around Townsville? Uh, Townsville is a unique circuit in terms of um, you, you can never really have a car perfect in all three sectors. Um, it's one where the first sector is lined with concretes, quite, um, you know, crowned roads, uh, quite um, slippery sort of bumpy surface. Uh, you need a car that brakes really well in the first sector, um, turns really well in a slow speed corner. And that's the same as the last sector where it's big braking, tight corners. So you need a car that turns, puts its power down, brakes well. But then the middle sector through turn five and six and seven and eight, uh, there's some, you know, pretty wild chicanes where you need a car that uh, hits the curbs well, changes direction well. You expect quite a lot from the front of the car, um, and you know, some quite big bumps and whatnot. So, getting maximum braking and drive, and then curb ride and change of direction, uh, you, you can't have it all. So it's it's an interesting track where you try and find a, a good compromise. Uh, tire life is, you know a big factor around there it's generally choose the rear tires up a car that looks after its rear tires um you know is is a big win around there so quite different to darwin where we saw very little degradation in the tires uh the way we set the car up will be hugely different and back to a, a format of two 250 kilometer races which we haven't had since the season opener in bathurst so fuel races uh fuel consumption fuel economy um you know longer stints with tyre degradation will all play a much bigger factor um, in Townsville. We can't not talk about Townsville without recounting the famous 2013 post-race victory burnout when you smashed the concrete wall. <laughs> now, is there some type of redemption burnout can happen if you win this weekend? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah it'd be a good problem to have so uh yeah i'll uh, i'll certainly i'll address it with some better burnouts let's put it that way and i will redeem myself and might even go and give the wall a little kiss but maybe just myself not the car but uh, no it's one of those things it's pretty pretty funny looking back pretty clumsy but uh, i'm certainly happy to take the piss out of myself I have, i've done so for seven or eight years so no, it was a, a memorable moment. It was a great day and it certainly wasn't my proudest moment, but uh, yeah, never never look at it too seriously. So, hey, let's hope we're back in a position to be able to redeem myself to the uh, the fans of Townsville and and maybe uh, put on a, a, a much better performance uh, post-race. <laughs> All right, mate. I'll keep that momentum going. Good to see you. We'll talk soon. Cheers. See you guys. Thanks. Bye. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining us for a chat, Richard Crail from theracetalk.com. Hello, Richard. Hello, Shebexter. What a week. <laughs> Month. Year. Yeah. <laughs> Life. Pandemic. <laughs> yeah, she's been interesting. Um, nice get with Andrew Westercott. Very giving of his time. He's an excellent communicator. And, um, yeah, really well done to get him on the show. First uh, podcast chat after the uh, the obvious announcement, which I'm assuming will dominate most of our chat this afternoon, this evening, or this morning, whenever you might be listening. Yeah, Mark Walker to join us as well from the racetalk.com. Hello, Mark. Baxter, Krause. Yay, we get to go racing. What a yeah. what a concept. Two weekends <laughs> in a row, no less. Mm. Oh, we'll talk what about that thing. as well. Plenty to talk about. There's no doubt about that. There's no mm. shortage of stuff to talk about. The, the big story, without a doubt, is the cancellation of both the Australian Grand Prix and the MotoGP. And as you heard Andrew Westercott earlier say, the fact that the federal government's cutting of the amount of people allowed into Australia was pretty much the uh, the final nail in that coffin. Yeah, clearly. And the, the vaccination rates were also cited as well. And that's perfectly understandable. And if you look at it from a Victorian government point of view, especially um, if you let a group of internationals in when you're restricting your own people from coming into the country and you get one case out, then it's political suicide. And um, Victorian government's done enough of that over the last 18 months. So I'm fairly certain they're quite risk averse. So my understanding is, Shebex, that the the concept for the bubble and the, the in and out and everything surrounding the way the event would operate, including a, a clean paddock, there were... Um, plans in place for the um, Motorsport Australia officials that were going to work on the Formula One side of the event, as is the case at every Grand Prix, local officials, you see them standing in the garage, running the Weybridge, whatever it might be. Um, They had enough people to willing to do two weeks quarantine post event, uh, following their contact with the people in the F1 bubble. All of that, at my understanding is, was all signed off. So it's a decision around optics. It's a decision around logistics with the number of people allowed in and out of the country. And it clearly just became too hard. So frankly, this decision, we all expected to happen, you know, when they announced it was on the calendar, I think we all were pretty suspicious, but full credit to the AGPC and Andrew and his team for pushing on and trying to make it happen. And they got close, but, you know, it'd have to be no excuses now to, to look forward to March or April next year. I notice April's being thrown around as a potential date for it. So um, if it doesn't happen next year, Shebex, I don't know how much longer the uh, GP will be for this world. But um, yeah, this year, not going to happen. And uh, we try and find another event to fill its place. It's yeah. tough, isn't it? Uh, 
you know, a lot of people are upset and rightly so, you know, that we've got a great Formula One season going on. And I think that even more so that that's mm. a part of the fact that everyone's a bit upset that they're going to miss uh, seeing Formula One in a really good season. Uh, on the flip side, you know, it's a pandemic going on. You look at the UK, they're going to have 140,000 people at Silverstone. When's that next weekend? Yeah. And they had 26,000 new cases yesterday. So, I mean, it's just, it's different horses for different courses, isn't it? You know, the, we're, we're pretty, uh, you know, I'd, I don't know about anyone else, but in my part of the world here, all my family are happy and healthy and safe. We don't have a Grand Prix, but you get on with life, don't you? Yeah, you do. And Andrew basically also said that before, that uh, the fact that there's a set of rules that seem to be running around the world in regards to how other people run their countries and the like, but our federal government has decided on the set of rules for Australia to keep our people uh, safe and healthy. And we've got to abide by those, even though they are, and they do seem to be so different to watch everywhere else. I mean, the fact that Andrew said that Brazil still believes that it will have a Grand Prix. Yeah, they're joking. Two weeks before us. It's amazing that they want to, you know, 525,000 deaths, mm. an average seven day average of 49,000 deaths, mm. uh, case, new cases per day. It's just crazy. Yeah. And the, I mean, there's a difference as well between Brazil and racing at Silverstone with 140,000 people because Brazil is miles behind in their vaccine rollout and they, they haven't got many people immunized against it. Um, it. It's a disgrace over there and it's hugely political and, you know, Trump light running the show in that part of the world. That Grand Prix is not going to happen. I, there's no way because um, the UK borders are pretty tough as well. And with all the teams based there, there's no way that they're going to be able to all go to Brazil and yeah. bubble or not. The UK government won't let that happen anyway. And that rules out eight of the 10 Grand Prix teams. So all of a sudden it's all over. But it was a pretty interesting thing watching the Austrian Grand Prix on the weekend that one week that their restrictions, heavy restrictions lifted on the 1st of July. So you had the steering Grand Prix with 15,000 people a day. And then there's 120,000 there for the Austrian Grand Prix all cheering for, for Maxi Verstappen. So it's quite jarring to see that difference week to week. Um, and how much is a week's worth in COVID cases? Well, it's, mm -hmm. it, there's really no difference in that time frame. But um, the British Grand Prix, can they've made the call that they can run. Their government's made that decision. They're content that they've got enough vaccinations in the arms that the death rate and the hospitalisation rate isn't going to significantly increase. And at the moment, the numbers seem to support that over there. So they've made the call. I've got no doubt, Shebex, that if Australia, for example, had... 50% vaccinated now or a little bit less and by October was going to be at 60%, let's say, I reckon the decision right. may be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if that was the case, they wouldn't have the border restrictions that we've got and, and it would have just, you know, there's so many things to snowball through this. So different strokes for different folks and countries, but we're just in the position we are. The one question I didn't ask Andrew Westercott, Mark, and it was probably something I should have actually. Was there any ever was there ever any consideration of running it as a supercars event, since the track's going to be there and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that would have been asking. really good. That would have yeah, been a great question. Great Get question, it back on the Jeff. line. Jeez, <laughs> what are you doing? But imagine yeah. that it would be uh, something a bit different, a bit special, and especially with the new layout there. Uh, they've obviously put a lot of effort into building that up and rejigging the whole thing. So. It'd be great to actually one day see a race car go around on it, but um, yeah, not to be. The, the other thing I would have 
like to have seen, and we've talked about this before, is the AGP to run regardless, the race to be contested. Mm. We've got a, a perfectly good top-tier open-wheel category here now. Yeah. Um, it, it would require dispensation from the FIA to do it, and there are only uh, a couple of Grands Prix around the world, Macau, New Zealand, that run without being a Formula 1 race. But with the history of the AGP dating back to the 1920s, um, and the importance the race has, I'm pretty certain they would have gone, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll probably give you a leniency for one year. Run it as a 5,000 race. What a good beta beta test for the racetrack to see if the changes they've made are actually going to yeah. make it a better racetrack or not. So that that's a little bit frustrating, but clearly that's, that's not a thing that's going to happen. I, I would have loved to have seen that to just keep that history rolling on with the event, even if it's not a, a Formula 1 race. Hasn't been a Formula 1 race. You know, more than half of the Australian Grand Prix have, haven't been F1 races. So its history isn't just being an F1 race, just its recent history. And do we, see, uh, we should mention the MotoGP as well. Uh, that was mm. set for a boomer year, I would have thought, this year. Jack Miller's having a fantastic season. Remy Gardner in contention there. Uh, they would have got some pretty solid crowds down at Phillip Island this, uh, for, the AG, for the MotoGP this year. Mm. But I suppose and that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yes, it is. is you're right. Yes. Yeah. I suppose that the benefit is Shebeck's next October, Phillip Island, Remy's on a MotoGP yeah, bike. MotoGP, yeah. And, you know, you'll have, it'll be Stoner Factor again, won't it? Yes. Yeah, it will be. Mm. Yeah, it certainly will be. All right, let's look forward to this weekend for supercars because uh, we're finally basically being given thumbs up for not just one Townsville event, but pretty much two Townsville events. Bonus, bonus Townsville like last year. History repeating. Um, yeah, not opposed to that at all, Shebex. Sorry? Not opposed to it at all. No, it's, no, not at uh, all. It's a no, good no. place for a motor race and it's a, a racy little racetrack. But but first things first, NTI Townsville 500 this weekend, um, two 250k races. So it's the first time we've seen refueling since the Bathurst 1000 last year. Um, or did we have it at Bathurst? We did have it at Bathurst, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's the first time we've seen it since February this year. Still a long break. Um, different races, you know, we've had these short, sharp, punchy street races. We now get, um, sprint races. We now get these 250 K more traditional style events, two pit stops, refueling tire compounds will play a role at a really tricky little racetrack that's thrown up some pretty wild results in the past. So looking forward to it. it, it it's a great event Townsville. Um, and, and hopefully the restrictions are that we can get a crowd there this weekend and, um, with North Queensland coming out of lockdown, what, a week ago now as we talk. Um, all things are pointing to a, a pretty decent turnout up there, which would be terrific after uh, a pretty minimal pair of events up there last year. But it's an important market. It's a great event. Um, and it's important for our Queensland fans to have that up there in the north where um, they don't get a huge amount of top-tier sport. You mentioned the refueling. It, it really shouldn't be an issue for these mm. guys. It's it's probably the least difficult part of the whole pit stop process is that getting the, the fuel churn in, getting connected. You might have a little fumble around. You might lose half a second here, half a second there, but it's not like you can completely botch things with a tyre stop. The guys will practice it a few times uh, in the week leading up and they'll be good to go. And it, Unless it you takes do a the, Nick Perkett and burn the thing down. Oh, that that yeah. was a bit of a drama, wasn't it? <laughs> It's not like the tyres, you know, you can really fumble that up and make a mess of that and lose bulk time. But having the fuel in there, that takes the pressure off the tyre, guys. So um should be interesting. Uh, good Scotty McLaughlin track over the years and a, a good Triple Eight track as well, especially, you know, you look back last year, it was a bit of a mixed bag, mixed bag of lollies there. Things really did turn around between the two uh, different events. So 
be interesting to see how that plays out and how it'll play out too with the longer format for the first weekend and the sprint format for the second one. Yeah, the sprint format's interesting for the second one. That's And also the fact that it's just going to be the Saturday-Sunday, we understand, for the second event with... Uh, I'm not seven aren't coming on board for the second event, Richard. No, no, Fox Sports only race. Uh, so th- this is a big weekend for supercars, and that's why they've worked so hard to get it in and make it happen, despite all the various border dramas. I'm living through them as well, going up there, and it's the only thing I've gambled at this year um, is making the trip to North Queensland for Porsche Painter Dixon Crow Cup. More on that later. Um, yeah, so big weekend because it's a, the, the first opportunity we get to see the effect of the seven free-to-air coverage in back-to-back weekends, basically, with Hidden Valley doing very, very well from a numbers point of view on free-to-air and Fox. Um, now we get another one. So a bit of consistency, big event, uh, longer races that run a little bit later into the day as well, which is good for the old primetime numbers. Yeah. So th- this will be a, a really interesting test for those, those Channel 7 audiences and how they go. And then back to back it with a Fox sports only event. I wonder how the format will play out for event two though, boys, because um, will it just be your stock standard three race sprint round where they do something a little bit different, mix it up, play with some tires. It's all very last minute.com to make it happen. So I wonder how innovative they'll be or whether they'll just do it to just to tick around off and get it underway, which is why they're doing this while everyone's up there to, uh, to avoid any jumping of borders and things like that. So what does it mean for the championship moving forward? Where do we see rounds happening? Where do we see them not happening? Because that's the thing. You said we're ticking off a round here. We need to get 12 rounds in the bag to fulfil the TV contract with Fox. Mm. So obviously we missed Winton earlier on. It's sort of been given a a TBC for later in the year. And perhaps this, uh, the gap with the Grand Prix might open things up a bit more. But there's some interesting events coming up. You've got Sydney. People have talked about having two rounds there, but they're in the grip of a bit of a pandemic there at the moment. And, mm. you know, they've got to clear their stuff up when Sydney, mid-August sort of thing. So, yeah. So Sydney's the 21st and 22nd of August. So it's six weeks away from the time okay. we're talking. Now, I reckon Sydney's probably got another week of extremely heavy internal restrictions on. Yep. And then you've got to factor at least two weeks for the other states to open their borders. Yep. And it may be longer given how severe this outbreak has been in mm. New South Wales. So is, remember Victoria last year was only meant to be a few weeks at the start and then it turned out to be a three month lockdown. Yeah. Yep. It, it, we would hope that doesn't happen. But... Yeah. A l- little bit different this time around, I think, but, but uh, that, that August 21, 22 weekend, there has to be a question mark over that now. Yeah. And, and even if there isn't a question mark over the round going on, do you want to have it without, a massive crowd. And the, the answer to that is probably no, because of this night race deal. So you probably, you might even be better off jamming Winton there. But was Sydney supposed to be a uh, channel seven round as well? It was. Yeah. They're, they're showing the, but then does it matter? Like if it's a major theorized. TV spectrum. Yeah. But the event's still got to be viable to put on. So you need people coming through the gate to buy tickets and make it worthwhile. So. I, I like the idea of Winton in there and then possibly Sydney takes the AGP. See, the, the thing is yeah. about racing in Townsville or racing in Victoria is that you've only got one border issue, the, the issue Correct. of the Queensland teams or the Victorian teams crossing over near the other state. Racing anywhere else in the country, you've got multiple border issues you've got to, you know, overcome. You talk about racing in Barbagallo and, you know, it's been pointed out to me that supercars don't jump at shadows. They're not going to, you know, preempt anything. They're going to play it as it lies sort of thing. But the problem is, Perth's 
the quickest one to close any borders. Mm. And even Perth at the moment, they're still locked off to Melbourne. You still need two weeks quarantine to get over there. And it's been 33 days since we've had an undiagnosed case here. Mm. So, I mean, it's going to be very hard for Western Australia to be appeased by well, Queensland and-, and Victoria when we've shown that we've got a, a, a propensity not to send our teams into lockdown. At the moment, there, in my opinion, there's more chance of New Zealand happening than there is WA. Mm. Yeah, yes. because New Agreed. Zealand, since the the travel bubble has come into effect, it's been easier yeah, and 100%. more open to go across the Tasman than it has been to go to WA. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Look to to look ahead at the calendar. So so we get what will be uh, what is it? It's round five, round six, and seven this weekend. Uh, so Townsville, Townsville two. Um, does Sydney so Winton was postponed from that July 31 August 1 weekend when it was going to be moved to um, does Sydney go ahead I reckon Sydney's marginal mm. um, it may get pushed back a little bit there's some free weekends there but that would depend on whether they go to WA or not when's the Olympics coming up Rich? Uh, the Olympics are like one July, week away early August so yeah. there, there are some Channel 7 issues in there and the we, the reason that 7 events at Sydney Motorsport Park would work is because the Olympics were done by late August. So, but Fox, yeah. it doesn't really matter, does it? So, you know, Fox will show it, whether it's in the middle of the Olympics or not. Um, so you could, in theory, jam one in that gap there if you needed to. But again, we're looking at a massive gap too. So July 17 to 18, and then there could be nothing until the next scheduled date, September 11, 12, which is WA. The two jobs so, you wouldn't want in this world at the moment are a Premier of a State of Australia yeah, and no, a Sporting Administrator. Couldn't pay me for quits, Shebex. <laughs> but so I, I think that it's almost certain there is an event on the Grand Prix weekend, November 20 to 21. Yeah. And industry talk is that that will be Winton. That is the date that will now slide in there. Um, but that is predicated on them going to New Zealand and then flying them back from New Zealand rather than putting them on the boat, which takes too long because New Zealand's only two weeks before that. Yeah. And you got to remember supercars weren't at this point confirmed to be on the Grand Prix program. Uh, it was likely, but there was no formal announcement made that supercars were actually going to race there or not. So that's, that gave them that leeway to get back from New Zealand if they needed it. So it's all up in the air. Uh, you know, at this point I would not, put it past the Gold Coast not being the final round. It, 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 you could run later into December if you have to, to get it all in. But 12 is the magic number. So they've got to find a way to jam them in between now and whenever the end of the season is. Well, the only thing we really do know is that these two Townsville events will happen. Mm. And that's probably it. I mean, even the Bathurst 1000, you couldn't confidently say 100% that it goes ahead. You 95%, yeah, it looks like it. I think you say it goes ahead, Shebex, but yeah. whether it goes ahead with, with crowd and stuff, with yeah. punters or anything, that's entirely New South Wales. But Bathurst is the one event on the calendar that will happen regardless of what the border situation is because you'll move everything around it. Hmm. Well, plenty of things to, to go into play there. Uh, just we, a quick tip this week. We, oh, form guide. Well, if you go back through the record books, Mark, and you mentioned it, Triple Eight. And DJR have dominated here. The last non T8 or DJR cutter win was Mark Frosty Winterbottom in 2015. Mm. So she's been a while. Um, 
I'm and, and only four teams have ever won there. And yeah. Walkinshaw won a, a little bit in the early days, but uh, outside of that, it's been a bit of a domination by the other guys. Do you remember when Walkinshaw were only good on straight tracks? Yeah. And that, that was that was why but they went well there. It, it, Chaz is a potential. Like, you yeah. know, they've shown that they can be in position to take wins, especially if the other guys want to carve each other up. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think the momentum from GJR as well, after what we've seen for the last couple mm-hmm. of rounds... They've really got to. They've got to. They've got to capitalise on it, don't they? They've got yeah, so they've much got, qualifying yeah, pace and and just get one of those starts right. I mean, Vanky's just slaughtered three starts and yep. he got two of the wins. So yep. nothing would please me more to see Will Davison crash doing burnouts again. Yes, that would. <laughs> that would be a great result. He's due a win. It's worth mentioning though. I just accidentally hit the concrete wall. Yeah, yeah. Good, good result. It's worth mentioning as well though in Townsville too last year. Um, Brad Jones Racing got two pole positions. Mm. So Nick Perkett got a pole and Todd Hazelwood got a pole. So again, to street circuit, there are some variables. Um, gee, they're due for a good result because <laughs> they've had a shocker for the last few rounds. So um, maybe it's their turn to to win a really big race because it's been a while for them. But it'll be good. Shebeki, there's so much more to play out. It's going to be a good one. Uh, just a quick plug, Carrera Cup back on yes. deck and, and remarkably, they're still taking 22 cars up. They've lost three out of... New South Wales, but um, the rest of the field is good to go. 15 pro cars in that outright championship fight. And, uh, you know, I'm ridiculously biased towards the category and have been for a long time. But if you get an opportunity to watch it, it's on free to air this weekend. The, the Carrera Cup racing, and I know you two will agree with me, it has been off chops this year. The, the competition is just immense. So uh, it'll be worth checking out to see how that title battle plays out. It certainly will. No doubt about it. All right, boys. Uh, enjoy the weekend of motor racing. Kyle, you go pack a bag? Yeah, I'm going. Get a sh- dust the shorts off, Shebex. Careful. Yeah. Careful. That's dangerous. Yeah. Right. Carry a warning with that, please. Uh, yeah, I know. No. <laughs> People know. Fortunately, there's face masks up there. So, you know, I'll just assault them with the bottom, but the top will be nice and covered. So that's fine. Exactly. Mm. Uh, we'll catch you next week, boys. See ya. And Cheers. we'll catch you next week as well. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.